This morning we are moving into Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. And uh, I'll be honest with you, like uh, the lesson that Paul is trying to teach here is one that has taken me decades to get, decades to get. And sometimes I still fail at this. Like sometimes I'm not good at this. This is one of those things that has taken me decades, years and years and years and years and years. And and Troy talked about it a little bit last week uh, in the context of marriage. And uh, the problem that I have, I have a big problem. Maybe you, maybe some of you can relate with me. Some, I, I know some of you can, for a fact. But I am a lifelong nonconformist. I'm just, I'm not, I don't like to conform. And if you create a hole for me to fit in, I will bristle. And I do not want to fit in that hole, right? That peg. And the idea of submitting to another person does not come naturally to me. Not at all. Maybe it's because I'm Merkin, right? Maybe because I'm Merkin. And us Merkins don't like to conform. We don't like to be told what to do. I don't know. Maybe. And uh, I, I just, it doesn't come naturally to me. And I, maybe I have oppositional defiant disorder. We got some, got some kids Lauren, I just saw Lauren snort. She might have it. Have you been diagnosed? You should go get that looked at. Um, <laughs> you know, and so maybe you should just go get it. No, I'm not because you told me to. I'm not. And so I know we have uh, campers actually that have a, an official diagnosis of oppositional defiance disorder. And uh, maybe, I don't know. Um, but listen, if you can be considered the man, I don't want to comply. Um, but the Bible has, uh, it has a lesson for people like me and maybe people like you. Um, and hopefully you will extract from this today. I know some of you guys, I, I know some of you personally, I won't name names, but I know some of you, uh, have what I have, but you have it on steroids. You have it, uh, like it's supercharged, um, and uh, it's almost sort of like you know the old Groucho Marx song. Has anybody ever seen Duck Soup with the Marx Brothers? If you have not, you owe it to yourself to go watch it. It is one of the funniest movies ever made. I think it was made in 1938-ish, 39-ish. But there is a song. Old, does it, gosh, I feel so old. Who here knows who Groucho Marx is? Okay, a few people, all right. Those of you uh, who are over 30 might know who Groucho Marx is. And uh, he sings this song in Duck Soup, and it's whatever it is, I'm against it. And I, the, I know the words, because um, I think Dan helped to write this song. But it, he says, uh, in the song, he says, I don't know what you have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Uh, does anybody know the song? Anybody sing it? No? Anyway? I don't know what you have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Right? No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. <laughs> and then he goes on. He says, he says, your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it, right? And so, I don't know, he might have been Irish, maybe. Um, so what does Paul have to say about all this? Like this, 
this this spirit of sort of nonconformity. I'm against it. I'm not going to submit all those things. What does Paul have to say about this? And and how are we biblically supposed to respond to authority, to our parents, to our spouses, to our employers? And so we're going to talk about that. But first, you guys, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. We pray that you would come, that you would speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, that uh, you would have your way in our hearts. And God, um, that we would have a teachable, humble spirit. God, learning from your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, like I said. And it says this. It says, children... Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. I think that is so interesting that Paul says, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. He doesn't say, obey your parents because you belong to your parents. He doesn't say that. He says, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. I like that one. Want a long life, kids? Honor your mother and father, right? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Guilty. Done it. Done it before. King of that one right there, right? Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. I just need to back up just for a second there because a lot of you might be going, Slaves? What are you talking about? None of us are slaves. Slavery was much different in the day of Paul the Apostle. Okay? So this could very easily say employees. Right? And so when we, re- uh, when we refer to this, uh, you know, we're going to talk about employees. It says... Um, Try to please them all the time, not just when you when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each uh, one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. So if you remember one thing this morning, please, 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 please remember this, and that's that a heart that's humble leads to a life that's blessed. I'm going to say that again, because I want that to sink in. I want those words to sink into your spirit. A heart that's humble leads to a life that's blessed. Now, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times I get really focused on being right, not on being humble. And sometimes it's like I have a choice. I can be right or I can be blessed. Right? Because we're so intent on being right in our culture because I'm right. Because I'm right. But sometimes, man, we're, we're so right that we're willing to lose our job to prove that we're right. We're so right that we're willing to sacrifice friendships and relationships because we're right. And we're like, it's a matter of principle. And God is saying it's a matter of a humble heart. 
And sometimes we have to make a choice between being right. And I'm not saying that we make a, a moral compromise. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about when we have a disagreement with our boss and we have a disagreement with a friend. Okay? Sometimes it's not a matter of being right. Can I just tell you something? Like, we would not be married for 30 years if both of us insisted that we were right. That, that every hill was a hill to die on. Because I'm right. Right? Because I'm right a lot. I'm right a lot. And I just got to lay that down. Just kidding. Just kidding. But a lot of times we think we're right. Later on we realize we were wrong. Okay? And so you can, sometimes there's a choice. You can be right or you can be blessed. And so a heart that's humble leads to a life that's blessed. And this passage can be so difficult to preach on as Merkins. If you're a Merkin, just give me a nod. Yeah. So this can be so hard to preach on as Americans because our whole society was built on rebelling against another, uh, you know, uh, oppression, right? Our whole society was built on. In fact, I was in Ireland a few years ago and I was talking to a friend of mine and he gave me his impersonation of Americans. And you know what he did? He did this. That was literally his impersonation of Americans. And then I asked another friend of mine who, who's Irish and, and, and I was in Ireland. And I said, what, is you, what do you think? What's your impersonation of American? He said, he walks into his room, into a room, his nose is in the air, and he acts like he owns the place. He said, that's, that's his impersonation of Americans. And I said, oh yeah, all right, all right. Irish, red nose, always drinking. So we kind of got in a little bit of this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so this passage can be so difficult, so difficult because the words obey and the words submit. Um, boy, we bristle at those unless we're the ones being obeyed. Unless we're the ones being submitted to. And so uh, it, it's like defiance is something that's just built into us. And you know what? That's actually not too far from the truth. I mean, you think about a toddler. When you tell a toddler no, do they just go, oh, okay. Well, you say no, I'm just going to... I trust you, Mom. I, I trust you, Dad, that you know better. No, man. I'll tell you what. If your toddler doesn't go his way, things don't go his or her way, boy, they can really throw some incredible fits. And you ever notice that when a toddler throws a fit, it's almost like an endurance match. Like, who's going to endure longer? How long can I endure their fit? And they're just like, ah, I think I can keep this up longer than they can tolerate it, you know? And so, like, man, it's just built into them. And so te- teenagers, wow, it doesn't get much better when they're teenagers, right? You tell a teenager, no, they can't do this, or they have a curfew, or there's a particular rule of the house. Man, I tell you, teenagers, they don't throw fits. A lot of times what they do is they roll eyes, my oldest son, I won't say his name, but he got to be a teenager and he got into this eye roll thing. But the problem was, is he was super bad at it. And so we would say something and instead of rolling his eyes, he couldn't do it. He'd go like this. And I'd go, are you trying to roll your eyes? Yeah. <laughs> and so teenagers, what they do is they roll their eyes. It's just built into it. And adults, they get angry over other things. I have a friend who's a doctor, and when he recommends uh, 
non-pharmaceutical um, ways of helping a patient. Let's, let's say, you know, he would rec- he'd say, well, you know what, you're going to have to lose 20 pounds. You're going to have to change your diet. And they get really mad. His patients get mad when they're told, when he, you know, he tells them, this is what you're going to have to do to, to help, you know, help your health. And so personally, I remember for the last two years, every time I'd see one of those signs with a mask on it, said, you got a mask up, I'd be like, that son of a, you know, pull out the stupid mask and pull it on, you know. And I just hated it. And so we just hate to submit. Uh, Specialists actually have a term for our aversion to submission. There's actually a term for it. And uh, it's called psychological reactance psychological reactance that's a, that's a that's a technical scientific term and what happens is is our psychological reactance gets triggered when our brain senses a threat to our freedom well think about that for a second when your brain senses a threat to freedom this psychological reactance kicks in and some people allow their psychological reactance to dictate how they're going to respond in a given situation. All right? And uh, it's oftentimes it's our pride. It's our ego. Um, it's, it's unresolved anger, right, that gets in the way and triggers this psychological reactance. And if you've ever known somebody who's all like, man, I just told my boss to blink off. And like, like they just, you know, they just dropped the hammer, you know, and, and, and then they walked out. And I, you know, I hear people say things like that and I just think, why would you do that now you don't have a job, right? And I'm sure their boss isn't like, oh, he just told me to blink off. What am I going to do? Right? The boss is like, hey, have fun paying your electric bill. You know? And so there's this psychological reactance kicks in and we do things that we then later regret and then have to go back and maybe apologize or retrace our steps or sorry I did that. It's how people lose friendships. It's how people lose opportunities. It's how people lose jobs is they have not been able to step back go, oh, this is a psychological reactance. My brain feels a threat to its fr- to freedom, and I'm reacting in a way that isn't how Paul once said that we should react and how God wants us to react. And so some people have developed that ability, right? And hopefully as you get older and you mature, you develop the ability to pause and step back and to react wisely, right? To react wisely, when psychological reactance kicks in. And it's called learned humility. We have learned to be humble in situations where we feel our freedom is threatened. Y'all following me? This is good stuff. Okay? Y'all remember this. Take notes. Okay? It's called learned humility. And, and the people who uh, have learned humility, they find that things go their way more often than people who bristle at the requests of others. In fact, our passage today indicates that there's a reward for us, that God has a reward for us when we walk in humility. 
in humility. And so Paul breaks this down and he actually gets very specific in this. And the first thing he says, he says that we are to be humble as sons and daughters. We are to be humble as, son, humble, uh, humble as sons and daughters. So all the parents in the place go, yeah, amen. Right? Y'all sons and daughters, be humble. But also, we're still sons and daughters. You know, every one of us has someone who gave birth to us, right? Humble as sons and daughters. And he says the right thing is to obey our parents. The right thing is to honor our parents. And, you know, when I was a teenager, you guys, I didn't think my parents were that bright. I thought they were a little out of touch. I thought they weren't very smart. I thought they didn't understand me. They don't know what I'm going through. You don't know me. You know, I was that kid. You don't know me. My parents don't get me. They don't understand me. And uh, I didn't think that they were that bright. And when I was thrust into the real world as a young adult, and I'm on my own, and I'm, I'm in a serious relationship, and I've got my first apartment. You guys, I'm at my first apartment. I couldn't believe I had to go out and buy ketchup. Right? It didn't even occur to me. Oh, wait a minute. Now that I have an apartment, I have to go out and buy a trash can for the bathroom. What? All the things that just my parents provided for me and I never thought twice about, all of a sudden I've got my own apartment and i got to go out and buy those things. And it was crazy. And I ate hot dogs almost every day because there was a buttload of hot dogs left over from a big youth event that I was at. And so they let me take them home. I was the Brandon Van Kieran of that youth group. Go home with the food from every church event, right? And so suddenly my parents went from they don't know anything to I'm on the phone with them like three or four times a week. What do I do? What do I need to do? And I'm in real, I'm walking in real life now, not in the shelter of living in mom and dad's house. And they were geniuses, geniuses, because I was clueless about keeping an apartment. I was clueless about having a healthy dating relationship. Uh, I was clueless about managing life in the, in the great big world. And as I get older, I grow in appreciation for my parents. I appreciate my parents more now at 51 than I did at 21. Okay, and so uh, I honor them. And so um, pride, pride disregards our parents. Pride disregards those people. And uh, pride says they're outdated, they're out of touch. Uh, but humility shows honor. Humility submits and obeys and shows honor. And so uh, it, still at 51, I go back to visit my mom. And she's like, Lee, could you do this? <laughs> you know, could you do this chore? And I'm like, okay. You know, I might have bucked against it 30 years ago. You know, I remember going home shortly after being married at 21 and just going, oh, I don't get it. My mom still treats me like I'm 16. You know, now I go back. I'm like, okay, ma, whatever you need, whatever you want. And so uh, Paul says that being humble in our relationship with our parents actually leads to a long life. Leads to a long life. So uh, be humble in your relationship with your parents. Forrest and Cole and Hudson, if you watch this. So, <laughs> my own kids. Yeah. But uh, he also says this, right, right following up with that, we're to be humble as fathers and mothers. We are to be humble as fathers and mothers. I have the uh, distinct disadvantage in having a son that remembers everything. Everything. He remembers uh, 
every time I've lost my temper. He remembers every time I've yelled, every time I've mm, flexed my dad muscles to get him to do what I told him to do. All right? We do that as parents, don't we? Okay? Um, uh, do it now. Do it now. And I was hoping that as we got older and I got to be a better parent and as my kids got older, they would forget all those things. But I have at least one that remembers. At least one that remembers all of them, right? And uh, we're, we are, yes, to give them discipline. We are, yes, to give our children instruction. But we do it in a way that, doesn't, uh, that honors them. We do it in a way that doesn't belittle them. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking when I'm at the store and I see a parent belittle their child. You know, when a, when a child is just being a child, right? And, and, and maybe, maybe they're embarrassed by their child's behavior. Now that I've raised three children, you know, when I see a child misbehaving in the store, I realize they're just being a child, <laughs> you know? They're just, they're just, they're just doing what comes naturally, you know? They're just being a child and it doesn't annoy me. Um, but I think maybe the parent gets a little embarrassed by their child's behavior and, and they might get uh, a little nasty to their kid, a little rude to their kid. You know, I've seen parents uh, curse at their kids in the store and belittle them or call them names or things like that. And, uh, and I think, oh man, please don't dishonor your child. Don't dishonor them. You know, the Lord wants us to be humble in the way that we raise our children. And so... Um, do it in a way that doesn't dishonor, that doesn't belittle them. So humble as fathers and mothers. And then we're to be humble as employees, right? We're to be humble as employees. And also not just employees, but uh, humble as volunteers. Humble in any role where we're serving another, right? We get to serve other people and we do it in humility and God blesses it when we do. God blesses it when we do. And so whether we're getting paid uh, for serving or a volunteer, God puts people in charge um, to lead us and to direct us, right? So how many of you here are on a team at Mercy? Yeah. And there is somebody that is, you know, uh, giving you direction. There's somebody that's leading you in that team. And God says, hey, be humble. Be humble, right? And so uh, a lot of times... As as art, you know, as an ardent nonconformist, I have um, watched people with humble, submissive hearts get raises when I didn't. All right, I worked at a TV station in Denver, and there was a guy that was hired about six months after me, and I watched him get raises, and I watched him get promoted, and I just got passed over. And as a nonconformist, as someone with a little, uh, you know, reactance. Um, I always blamed, uh, you know, the system. It was never my fault that I was getting passed over. It was his fault because he was better at kissing butt than I was, right? It was a popularity thing. And, oh, my goodness, he's, you know what? They just promote the brown nosers. And it was never my fault, right? I was just doing a great job. I was just part not, right? <laughs> I was being a jerk, and so I'd watch people with humble, submissive hearts. They get raises, they get promotions. I'd get passed over, and I would just claim that they were just more po- popular. They were just better friends. They were just tighter with the boss, and you know all the things that somebody full of pride might say. And so, but God says, "No, be humble as employees. Be humble. Be humble." Okay, it's a scriptural principle. People who do their work well 
and with humility get rewarded. People who do their work well and with humility get rewarded. Also, people who uh, talk solutions instead of complaining about problems get rewarded. One of the ways that we show our humility is rather than complaining about this or that or the conditions or the boss or this or that. But when we're solution-oriented, man, I don't know about you guys, but uh, if I were managing a dozen people, and I had a guy that had solutions, and I had another person that was just always complaining. You know who's getting the raise? Take a guess. Yes. Correct. Correct. Okay. And then we're to be humble as husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. You know, it's so important. Can I just say this? Like, even if you're just dating, it's important to be humble in a dating relationship. Even if you're just dating... It's important to be humble. Uh, In the previous chapter, Paul talks about loving your wives and obeying your husbands. And Troy covered that really well last week. But it's this beautiful picture of mutual humility and submission. It's a beautiful picture of mutual humility and submission. Uh, Husbands, don't bully your wives. You know, when a husband is bullying their wife or, you know, kind of doing the, like I said, talking about, you know, flex, parents flexing your muscles, you know. Uh, listen, don't, husbands, don't bully your wife. If there's something, just don't. Just don't. Or me and Ryan will come and visit you. <laughs> you know, don't bully your wives. And, uh, uh, gosh, and wives, don't nitpick and criticize your husbands. Oh, there's nothing. You know, it's funny because I have been in, you know, in circles, you know, talking to people. And I've, I've witnessed a wife just like nitpick or openly criticize their husband. And just I just watch the husband's shoulders go. Phew, right. I just watch them deflate. And so it's so important that we are humble. And wives, if you have a, a serious issue that you need to talk about with your husband, then go home and talk about it. Right, but husbands don't bully your wives, and wives don't don't criticize your husbands, at least not openly. Right, that's not humble. That will that will wreck that will wreck a relationship. Okay, think about what would have happened if you would have done that while y'all were dating. You know, uh, you may not have made it to the altar. Right, so um, it just got so quiet in here when I said that. It just got so quiet. But husbands, you can come get a hug from me later. Okay? We'll do, we'll do free hugs for husbands who've been criticized, openly criticized by their wives. Right? So when husbands and wives are humble towards each other, it's such a beautiful thing. You don't make it 30 years without some humility. You don't eat, make it 30 years without, you know, eating some crow, right? And submitting when we were wrong. And you don't make it 30 years without submitting to each other. And so I know that when Wendy and I, we walked, the, walked to the altar together when we got married 30 years ago, uh, it was like, listen, uh, divorce isn't an option. I'll kill you, but we're not getting a divorce, you know. And so in order to make it 30 years, those are things you don't say online anymore, isn't it? So anyway, <laughs> it's so like, you know, there was lots of, hum- you know, lots of times of just humbling ourselves to each other. And uh, humility goes a long way. And so the last thing is, is that we're to be humble as members of God's family. 
humble as members of God's family. Verse 9 tells us that God has no favorites. God has no favorites, right? There's no role in the church that's more important than another. And we talked about the fivefold ministry gifts a few weeks ago, how there's apostles and prophets and... Okay, there we go. And so how there are different roles in the church, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, but there's not one more important than another, right? And so there's no role in the church more important than another. No person should get preferential treatment, and no one should be looked down on, okay? And so it's, it's important that we understand that. And, and you know what? It doesn't matter how much you give either. I, I was part of a church one time where there was a woman there that gave a lot. She was like the biggest giver in the church, and she was such a bully, you know, and as I was the youth pastor there, and she called me up and she yelled at me uh, because she didn't feel like her grandkids were getting preferential treatment. And so, you know, that, that, there's no place in the church for that. There's no place in the church for that. No one was looked down on, and no one person is more important than another. In fact, Ephesians 5.21 says that we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we do this by showing deference, by honoring each other with our words, by not gossiping, right? Not gossiping, by not demanding our rights with each other, but by humbly serving and loving each other. That's what we do. That's what we do at the church. And so if every church valued Ephesians 5.21, there would never be another church split. There would never be another church split. If every church valued this verse, it would be a beautiful picture of what it's going to be like in heaven. We're practicing what it's going to be like in heaven. And so you guys, I'm going to close. I'm going to wrap up. But I just want you to ask yourself as, as we close and as I pray, um, what area of your life would benefit from a little more humility? What, is, what area, what one or maybe two areas of your life would benefit from more humility? Maybe as a son, as a daughter, as a father, as a mother, as a spouse, as an employee, uh, or as a, just a member of the church and as God's family, are, are you walking in humble submission? What area of your life would benefit from more humility? And, or does pride pop up in those areas? Does pride cause you to bristle or get agitated or rebel? Uh, as for me, guys, I've learned the hard way, and I keep learning the hard way. I've learned the hard way. I'm still learning. But I know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, according to Proverbs 3.34. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I need grace. I prefer to have God's blessing than to have his resisting me. And so I'm going to pray. But if you need prayer this morning for anything, um, we will have a member or two of the prayer team back behind the soundboard. And they would just love to pray for you. It could be in this area. It could be anything else but they would love to pray for you. And so I'm going to pray, and if the worship team wants to return, that would be fantastic, but let's pray. God, we praise you and we love you. And Lord, we know that we, we want your blessing. <laughs> we want your grace, God. And uh, Lord, it requires humility, though. It requires humility. God, I pray that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts about the areas of our life where we've been proud, where we have allowed our psychological reactants <laughs> to dominate our responses rather than humility. And God, I pray that you forgive me for the times where I've just allowed my psychological reactants to kick in instead of walking humbly before you and honoring others. 
And so, God, be glorified in our lives. Lord, help us to walk in humility because you're worthy, God. And because it's a picture of your kingdom. God, you're so awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.